0: Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The courage to lead episode 217 you're listening
1: to the ib4e coaching podcast
0: brought to you by ib4e coaching business coaching for executives entrepreneurs and small business professionals learn more at ib4e-coaching.com hey coach harlan here welcome back to the podcast hope you're having an incredible week I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson is the strategist for generational inclusion. She's an infectious speaker, trainer, and consultant whose passion is working with leaders to encourage inclusion and collaboration between various generations. Her message is inspired by her own experience growing up in a four generation family business. She's also inspired by her millennial children and their friends. Sean has worked with many industries, including the steel industry, wholesale, home and gift, healthcare, and several others. In 2019, she decided to pivot and pursue her passion for leadership development. She found it easy to connect with emerging leaders from younger generations. As a result, she began to research the ways each generation thinks about leadership. She uses her research and real-life experience to help organizations be generationally inclusive, which gives them a true competitive advantage. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, so, I mean, you've you've worked with a lot of big companies. You're also a John Maxwell team member, uh, which yes. is awesome. Uh-huh. Certified Disc Behavior Analyst and Consultant completed courses in positive psychology. You're busy. You stay busy. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I like to be busy. Yes, That's <laughs> awesome. very cool. All right, I'll tell you what. Um, I want to talk about how you got started. Um, how you got to where you are now, who you work with, and how you help them. I know you've got a book. We want to talk about that. But before we get started, I have some questions that I ask every one of my guests. Uh, Listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where those James Lipton asked these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figured if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Sean, if you're ready, I've got 10 questions for you. Okay. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite word?
1: Inclusive.
0: Inclusive. I could that's have that's the word that. I
1: use all the time these days.
0: Absolutely. Um, what is your least favorite word?
1: Can't, which I guess is kind of two words, but um, yeah, when people <laughs> keep saying I can't, we can't, that's
0: my least favorite word. Exactly. I I I'm okay with I don't want to, uh-huh. But not I can't. Right. You know, yeah. I agree. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. All right.
1: Questions for you. What turns you on? Just being with people, social interaction. Now, I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm energized. I feed off the energy of a room full of people, or even if it's just a family gathering, a fun dinner with friends. Um, that, yeah, that's nice. what turns me on.
0: Very cool. Um, what turns you off?
1: Um, probably the news media. Nice. I've thought about this a lot the last couple of years with all the fear mongering around COVID and, and serious. And, you you know, it's a serious problem. I, am you know, I know a lot of people have lost loved ones, but I, I don't like the amped up fear and negativity uh, yeah. that we oftentimes. just to get
0: ratings just to get viewers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's not good for people to constantly live in that state of negativity.
0: Yeah, totally agree. All right. Question five, what sound or noise do you love?
1: I love to hear the birds sing. When I get up in the morning, there's always birds singing outside my office. And um, I just, I love that. I think that's so cool.
0: Absolutely. All right. What sound or noise do you hate?
1: I hate electronic noise, like blow dryers, (laughs) (laughs) vacuum cleaners. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but I just think it's it's just annoying. And you have to, you know, use a loud piece of equipment or something. Yeah. (laughs) All
0: right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word?
1: Well, you know, for a long time, it was the one that starts with an S and ends with a T. And I've been trying to alter my vocabulary a little bit. And so these days, I I stick with the D-A-M word a little (laughs) bit more often.
0: (laughs) All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: You know, I have always wanted to own my own bookstore. Hmm. And I haven't taken that off the list, um, especially one that has used books and new books. I just uh, I love books, and um, I just think that would really be fun.
0: I'm with you, all college
1: town or something. You know,
0: nice reading area, coffee Mm -hmm. and tea. You know, they have those with cats. You can have a cat sitting in your lap. I'm a dog Mm -hmm. person. I would love to have puppies.
1: Well, I think you could have dogs or cats. You know, depending on your.
0: Yeah. You know, I
1: I mean, I have dogs and cats in my house, so yeah. yeah.
0: I think that would be awesome. You'd
1: have to take the dog home at night, most likely, but cats (laughs) could just live there. (laughs)
0: Exactly. All right. Uh, What profession would you not like to do?
1: I would be a terrible accountant. I am not good with details. I don't sit still well. Yeah, I would be. I took accounting in college. And I remember after two semesters, I thought, yeah, this is not not my thing. Not my thing at all.
0: Yep. I'm with you. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Well, I think um, for many of us, well done, my faithful servant comes to mind. And I would paraphrase that and just say, I'm so glad you're here. Nice. God would say, I'm so glad you're
0: here. Very cool. All right. Those are the 10 questions. Love the answers. Um, all right. So we're going to come back, uh, take a short break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start. How you get to where you are now? Who you work with and how you help them. We'll talk about your book that you have available. Um, and at some point we'll transition into courage and leadership. Okay. Okay. All right, listeners, we're going to talk about all of that, probably a lot more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine any more. You can have that and more when you join my business success mastermind group. Join my business success mastermind group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Sean Johnson. Sean, thanks so much again for being on the podcast. It's good to talk to you today. Um, So talk to me about how you got your start. At what point did you know that you wanted to be a strategist for generational inclusion?
1: Well, about 12 years ago, maybe, John Maxwell started certifying people to use his material. And um, and I was always one to read Success Magazine, Dale Carnegie, you know, all of those kinds of things. But I was in sales. I mean, that's what I did. I was a sales professional for years. And uh, I always said on my bucket list, I'm going to get that John Maxwell certification. And, um, you know, kept thinking next year, next five years, next 10 years, finally got the certification about five or six years ago, I guess. And so I was doing a lot of leadership classes after hours and I enjoyed that faith-based institutions and organizations and stuff like that. And um, found out that I connected really well with millennials. Well, of course my children, my nieces and nephews are millennials. So it's kind of a no brainer, but I just hadn't really thought about you know, this millennial thing. How are they different? And that um, I started to understand them and I got great reviews whenever they were in my leadership class. You know, they'd send me comments about, hey, we learned this, we learned that. Um, And all of that led to me kind of saying, hey, I want to just do this leadership thing full time. And I really enjoy working with younger leaders. And then I started realizing that there's all these topics that people don't understand about you know, why younger people think this and boomers like myself think that and we have different expectations. And it just kind of grew Uh, starting in about fall 2019. It just kind of grew into, I can talk to people about things like this. I'm fascinated with them. And I grew up in a four-generation family business. Hadn't even really thought about that. Um, You know, so I had to work with my great-grandparents from a young age and they did not think like me at all.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. What was the business? Uh,
1: Ah, uh, farming nice. Dakotatas, yeah, yeah. so we you know in farming, there's no age limit. Yeah. If you're tall enough to reach the counter, guess what
0: you can cook. <laughs> yep, absolutely. yeah, so I know we hear a lot about you know diversity, equity, inclusion. <clears throat> you don't hear that much about generational inclusion.
1: no, so some statistics go
0: ahead right, go ahead no, 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 go ahead.
1: Um, I read recently only 8% of companies consider age in their DEI initiatives.
0: Really? hmm 8%, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I know some older folks are are concerned. They feel like they're kind of getting pushed out of the job mm-hmm. market. I think that's where the biggest um, quiet quitting comes mm-hmm. from. And those folks who just don't feel as engaged anymore, they don't feel as valued anymore. They just kind of mm-hmm. sit over in the shadows and, Collect their paycheck and don't really contribute.
1: Yeah, it's a major problem, um, and I'm I'm being asked more and more to speak about ageism, and there is ageism towards younger people sometimes where their voices aren't heard, and and you know, and I hear that I'm sympathetic to them. Uh, they talk to me about that, but the more dramatic ageism happens with people over the age of fifty. Wow. Um, and corporations quietly find a way to put them in a back room, put them in a corner, um, encourage them to quit. And for the most part, these are healthy people who have a lot to give. They have a lot of knowledge and wisdom to tr- transfer. And it's very discouraging to them when they're just kind of devalued. and True. And even, you know, over 60 just pushed out the door in a way where they have no repercussion. They can't, right. you know.
0: And it's hard to, it's hard to point at, uh, you know, being let go and and say, well, it's strictly because of my age. Mm -hmm. It's hard to, you know, to do that. It's one of those underlying things. It's like, no, we can always say it's this or that, but you get the feeling that, wow, they're just getting rid of the older folks. Maybe because their pay scale was so, you know, off kilter They get rid of the older folks or making a little bit more money, bring in the younger folks to do the exact same work at less pay.
1: I think that happens, but sometimes from what I understand, there's not a huge pay difference um, in some cases. And I think it's that young, flashy, um, young genius, you know, thing, they they show up, they do a real flashy PowerPoint or they understand technology maybe just a little better. I mean, I don't really buy into the fact that they're always better at technology. I don't think that's always true, um, but they're flashy, they're confident. And, um, and then some of the older, so to speak, we call them the elder wisdom, they're not as flashy, they're more comfortable in their own skin, they're not going to get up and blow their horn quite as loudly. And so they get kind of pushed aside, like we want this young person to come in and, and take over because they're so cool. And then they get in the job and they they aren't prepared. I don't care how smart you are, there's something to be said
0: for having lived a while. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I was a management consultant for years. And one of the clients we worked with, we were rolling out a brand new software system. And of course, it included uh, changing uh, customer numbers, part numbers, all kinds of things in this new system, right? Because the system generated all these numbers. Some of the older folks were very upset. One guy came up to me and said, you've ruined my life. (laughs) It's like, I don't even know your name. You know, how did I ruin your life? He said, I used to be the big man on campus. I used to know all the part numbers by heart. I could look across the the alleyway and tell you what that part was, who the customer was that it went to. And he goes, now you've got this new computer system and I don't use computers. Now I have to go to the younger folks and Mm -hmm. ask them to help me look something up on a computer. So you've, I've lost my, my status Mm -hmm. and we never even really considered that, but that that's a big thing. Like I said, the people who have been at a company know a lot They've lived with this. They've grown with it and they're comfortable with their environment. And then you have somebody new coming in that may have all the, you know, the flash and dazzle, Mm -hmm. but not all the relationships and and things like that.
1: Yeah, so true. And, And right now we, you know, we hear a lot about recession. You know, are we going into a recession and all this kind of thing? And so business is changing for many different industries And that's where especially the older, more tenured people who've lived through recessions, have lived through inflation, have seen the market come and go, can be so helpful in the organization because you can run all the numbers you want to. A lot of times your intuition, your experience, you know, your gut are going to serve you much better than, you know, whatever information is out there online. You know, Google is not always the expert. (laughs) Yeah. We all love to google things but sometimes just a little bit of um experience goes a long way.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um but again I worked at Lockheed Aircraft years ago and coming up as an apprentice so I'm working with some of these master mechanics and and uh journeymen and, and everything like that and I went to one guy and asked him I saw what he was doing and I said can you show me how to do that teach me how to do that. He said absolutely not. It took me 17 years to learn how to do this I'm not just going to give that knowledge away. To me that's the opposite of what you should do. I think the younger right. folks should help bring this technology to the old folks. The older folks should help bring mm-hmm. their knowledge and, and things to the younger folks. Is that what you're, you're. Yeah. It's,
1: I think the challenge is how do you managers, leaders, business owners create that culture, yeah. lead that culture of no one feels threatened. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, in my own business, I have younger people that help me with things and I have older people that help me with things. And I benefit from both. Sure. You know, I have two individuals who help me with my web. They don't even work together in the same company, but I get insight from the younger one mm-hmm. um, that I wouldn't get from the older one. But then the older one can say, well, you know, we tried this and we did that. And mm, that wasn't really that didn't work out as well as we thought. And so that's what I believe strongly organizations need to do is create a culture where everyone is valued yeah, for what absolutely. they bring. And that person that took 17 years to learn whatever skill it is, feels good about sharing it with younger coworkers, you know, feels, yeah. feels important, feels, um, you know, like that's, feels valued for doing that.
0: Absolutely. So how do you build that type of culture? Cause that's something we talk about a lot on the program is, the culture and the importance of culture and toxic Mm -hmm. cultures and how they get started and and how they can tear apart your business. How do you build a culture where it's more than just inclusion? It's like, I don't don't even know what you'd call it, but helping, you know, all through that, that diversity, equity, inclusion, helping each other, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: Usually it's, it's got to start with some understanding Um, I did a workshop recently for a healthcare clinic, and they have every age group working together. And the first session we did um, really kind of turned out to be a group coaching session because we were trying to build understanding, you know, why do the younger people react so they're so unhappy if they get called into a meeting, you know, they they were like, that just scares us. Well, why does that scare you? You know, why are they older doctors? Is upset when someone goes home at five o'clock and there's still patients in there. And the younger people are like, but it's five o'clock. I'm off yeah. work. You know, <laughs> there's all these little tiny things that we take for granted. We have different expectations on. So when we start with understanding, then we can build from there. But it takes a leader that's willing to provide the time and the opportunity to let people speak their minds without fear, you know, without. Yeah feeling like they could be looked at negatively, it could affect their pay or their job, you know, it has to be a very safe environment, and then you can go on from there, and there's all kinds of, you know, leadership things, um, values, I think values are a big part, do you understand what people you work with, what their values are, Um, then you know, you learn what their hot buttons are, so you don't push those. Yeah. And there's generational components, there's personality components. I mean, we're all layers, right? We're all individuals with layers of things that go on. But um, I think just coming around a table together sometimes is a big first step.
0: Yeah. So if you were to to counsel or coach uh, some of these business leaders and stuff, uh, what would you tell them as far as getting better use or making better use of their older employees?
1: Um, I think asking their older employees to be on teams with younger. I mean, the most high functioning teams are both. And the reason is that when you have disagreement or you see things from different perspectives, you find better solutions and encourage the older people, even if they're not the positional leader to go in and share and to feel good about sharing their expertise and then encourage the younger people to listen, but also vice versa, you know. We all have to listen to one another. Mm-hmm. I, I think what happens a lot of times is the teams are built based on age groups. You know, you've got this age group working together. Maybe they're all millennials because there's a lot of millennials, you know. Mm-hmm. So sure. maybe in that case, you need to put a baby boomer, a Gen X and a Gen Z in there because they all are going to have different points of view. Mm-hmm. And you benefit from that innovation And then in the same time, encourage those older people to share, to do that knowledge transfer, Um, you know, make them feel good about doing that. Because a lot of times it doesn't have to be connected to a financial reward. Recognition Mm -hmm. um, is a huge reward to a lot of people feeling good. Absolutely. Like like I said, there's a lot
0: of knowledge that they have. Trying mm-hmm. to collect that. Don't don't wait till they're ready to retire and say, "Here, before you leave, can you jot yeah. all this down? <laughs> Gather it a little <laughs> at a time. Have them, yeah. you know, lead little lunch and learn type things or anything mm-hmm. to try to get that information across, right?
1: Yeah, working side by side, I think is is the very best way to tra- transfer that knowledge, whatever that looks like in your industry. I mean, if you have salespeople, let's say you have younger district sales managers, um, which tends to happen a lot you know, cause it can be more of a, an entry level position, then send someone seasoned out there into the field to work with them, but make sure that person understands that coaching is going to be the way to go at it, yeah. you know, and sometimes we don't understand what coaching looks like, but younger generations don't respond well to you do it because I told you to.
0: Right. <laughs> so yeah, it coach... didn't work for my mom. <laughs> <so No. laughs> it certainly wouldn't work for the boss. I know. Yeah. Um, but basically I'm, I'm thinking, how do you, how do you get people, you know, like the older folks come into a meeting, let's say we're going to put a team together. And you have the older folks come in. They think they should be in charge. Mm-hmm. The millennials come in. They think they should be the ones in charge because they know technology. More. I think you have to be, from a leadership standpoint, you have to be able to kind of blend that a little bit, that yeah. have respect. They have the knowledge coming in. You have this knowledge coming in. Come in and and, and share. as more of a team. This is not a us versus them type mm-hmm. situation. You've got to be a, a team and to build those teams. When you work with these leadership um, and these companies, do you do you have them work in teams and help them understand yes. how teams function?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they very much do. It's always going to be very experiential you know, lots of conversations, sometimes some role playing, flip charts, there be technology too, um, but there has to be, um, they have to go into it with the mind, the growth mindset that we're all gonna learn. And there's gotta be a sense of being vulnerable. And I think that has to be modeled by top leadership in order for it to work. Because if, if people don't feel like they can be vulnerable, then they're gonna do that, they're gonna go well you know, I should be in charge because I'm the oldest person or I should be in charge because I know how to, you know, do all the technology in the room. So there has to be a sense of vulnerability. And um, Patrick Lencioni, you know, he does a great job mm-hmm. in the five dysfunctions, a of team of describing what that looks like. There has yeah. to be trust. And for trust, there has to be vulnerability. And then empathy comes into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, whenever I do a workshop, most of the time, and I do a lot of workshops, even at conferences. I get asked to do a lot of workshops because of the topic, you know. Right. Um, it works. It always works best if we have every age group in the room. Sure. Um, when I end up with a room of boomers, it's just a mutual admiration exercise. <laughs> and I'm not picking on boomers. I'm a younger right. boomer. But, you know, then we all go, yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah, that's what they should do. You know, it, it just doesn't, you don't get anywhere.
0: <laughs> well, I think you have the stereotypes, too. Right. Yeah. Millennials are are ungrateful and and this, that is that, no, I'm, I've got somebody else scheduled to be on the podcast and he works specifically with millennials. And he says that they want to have, you know, uh, life on their terms. Well, we all want life on our terms. Right. We as a boomers aren't used to saying that out loud. You're mm-hmm. fortunate to have a job. You know, I remember being told, you know, just, just be thankful. We still employ you and pay you. <laughs> But I think we all want things on our terms. And I think it is achievable if you come, like you said, with that mutual respect, all on the same level, come in and talk to each other and kind of build those relationships. Because like I said, the boomers have something to give and so do the Mm -hmm. millennials, the Gen Zs, Mm -hmm. everybody.
1: It's exactly right. And a lot of it has to do with the way we grew up, the way we were parented. You know, boomers grew up in a very competitive world because there were so many of us and classrooms were big and families were big. And, you know, you probably grew up competing for the telephone and the bathroom, you know, Um, and millennials didn't grow up that way. And a lot of the reason is that they're boomer and maybe, you know, older Gen X or parents didn't want them to, we wanted to give them things we didn't have, you know? And so then they come to work and they have that attitude. And we're like, why do they have that attitude? Well, you know, yeah. we taught them to say why Absolutely. we taught them. Oh, you don't want this fast food restaurant. Well, we'll go to this other one. You know, our parents didn't do that. and mm-hmm. a bunch of kids who are like, you're going to eat at home and you're going to like it and it's going to be like this. Um, so it's just, we, we can't get too mad at it at the other generations because we all contribute to exactly. what's going on exactly. on some level or another.
0: <laughs> and so we touched touch briefly on a couple of different types of courage that we talk about on the program, right? There are different types of courage that we as leaders tap into the intellectual courage, the, the ability to set aside your long held beliefs and your knowledge to make room for brand new knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's something I think is critical in business, that empathetic courage, Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, you have your feelings and things, but to be able to set aside your feelings to make room for somebody else's. I think both sides of the, the conversation need to have that empathetic courage. Um, what other, if you were coaching, say the millennials coming into one of these programs, what would you coach them on as far as the the different types of courage? What do they have to have you know, courage-wise um, to be able to make this relationship work? Uh, resilience
1: is, mm. is really... I think really important, Um, you know, something goes wrong at work, you don't jump ship, you know, um, that's something millennials have been accused of. And I think in some cases that's true. Um, You know, it's kind of the video game mentality of, uh, Oh, I'm not doing well at Mario tennis. So I'm going to go play a different (laughs) game. Um, And sometimes they get upset with me when I say that, but I think there is a little bit of that mindset. They can't help it. They grew up that way. So resilience. Yeah. Um, You know, be resilient. bounce back, be willing to listen. Um, you know, it's a mindset issue oftentimes with them have that growth mindset of there's always room to grow for all of us. Every single one
0: of us. Yeah. Yeah. In my mastermind group, we talk about the the cause and effect, you know, it's an Mm -hmm. equation, right? This cause is this effect within us or whatever. If you're on the cause side, of that you're asking why, why did that happen to me? Why is that the way it is? Why has everybody always become me? Well, you should move over to the effect side. What did, mm-hmm. what could I learn from this? What can I, mm-hmm. what could I have done differently for this? You know, use it as a learning opportunity. And you're right. I think that's one thing that maybe the boomers have a little bit more of, you know, they're, they're used to struggling through getting through making mm-hmm. their way where some of the, the younger generation is like, Oh, this isn't what I anticipated or what I expected.
1: I'm out
0: of here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a slower culture, you know, uh, in a way, slow was good. Slow was expected. You were expected to pay your dues to a certain degree. Um, You know, the important things in life take, take effort. Uh, Whereas millennials and especially Gen Z have grown up in a world where things come quickly. They come much faster, you know, they get their first iPhone at age 10, or, you know, sure. whatever the case is, with and, access
0: to the universe's right, you know, information, I mean, mm-hmm. we, I mean, you can't carry around, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica with you everywhere you go, but we have our phone now that has access to everything. So yeah, information, everything in mm-hmm. an instant.
1: Yeah. And you want that like, you know, if you post something, you want someone to like it right away. You're looking for that constant feedback. You know, if your Amazon package is a day late, you're like, what? How could that happen to me? You know, it. <laughs> it they're growing up in a completely different world. And even though I think all of us are becoming more impatient and want things more quickly, if we that are older stop for a minute and think about how long things you know, take, they are really meaningful in life. The important things yeah. in life usually take time. Yeah. And um, so that's something that we can share with them and, and hopefully they're willing to to listen.
0: Yeah. I remember a comedian bringing up the fact that we have microwavable minute rice. <laughs> it's like a minute rice. Was not fast enough? Now we have to microwave. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me about courage, your courage. How, where did you find the courage to, make this shift, right? To become a coach in this area. Where did that come from?
1: Well, you know, I started October before the pandemic. And um, so in the beginning, I was very excited. You know, I had some savings set aside. I was like, this is going to work. I like to fill my circle with lots of positive people, you know, that were telling me, yeah, you got a great topic. This is going to be great. And then, you know, March of 2020, I was like, oh my goodness. And I kept, I'm one of those people that always thinks, oh, it'll be fine. It's going to be fine. I told myself every day, it's going to be fine. People are going to start meeting in person. Um, you know, and then everyone else was saying, you need to build a virtual room and start speaking and training. And I was thinking, how much money is that going to cost me? You know, (laughs) I don't know that I want to spend my savings that way. And it, it was just, it was really, um, an everyday decision an everyday decision choice to get up in the morning and get my head on straight and say, this too shall pass. What can I do today? You know, what is the best decision I can make today from my time, my efforts, my energies, and, and I made a lot of mistakes, and I had to learn to um, kind of tell myself, that's okay. You know, I'd be beating myself up about investing in some LinkedIn coach or something that was not that helpful. and um, yeah. Some of them are, don't get me wrong. There are good ones. Uh, and I would be beating myself up about it. And I would think, you know what? You're just learning. You're just learning. You got to just let that go. Um, you know, now, you know, not to do that, or now, you know, not to do this. So, right. but I think courage is an everyday choice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the resilience, if this doesn't mm-hmm. work, try something else, take a step yep. back, evaluate, move on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read the Thomas Edison story or something, you know, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some good ones out there. Um, so the leaders you work with, what, what are they struggling with mostly when it comes to this? Is it just not how to include the, the generations in their inclusion or, or what is it they're struggling with? You think?
1: I, I think it's just understanding. Um, I'll take feedback for example. You know, it used to be, there was a time when feedback usually meant your yearly or quarterly appraisal. Right. right. If you had a really good boss, which I did have a really good boss at a young age, I was so fortunate. He was pretty good with regular feedback and course correction, but that wasn't typically the case. You couldn't typically count on that. You hoped you got a good yearly review and then you might get a raise and, <clears throat> you know, everybody wanted a certain amount. And yeah. But younger generations, uh, they're used to constant feedback Mm -hmm. starting with millennials and especially Mm -hmm. younger millennials. Um, So when they don't get that, they get discouraged and they quite quit or they leave your organization or they just aren't engaged at all. But what's interesting is that everybody appreciates that kind of feedback, Mm -hmm. that kind of course correction. And what we used to call constructive (laughs) feedback, (laughs) really, if you think of it as redirective feedback is better. So, some of the things that the younger generations are expecting and want, when we learn to understand why they want that, we realize it's really not that bad an idea. You know, it's really a pretty good idea, but if you don't think about it, you're not giving that feedback, you know, let's say, you know, a lot of business owners um, have been doing it for a while. They might be in their fifties, late forties. Once they realize that they're like, Oh, well, that's not even that hard. Right. You know, I can do that. I just didn't realize that. I didn't realize that was, that big a deal. Well, the model
0: was your annual review. So you sit down with your boss and your boss says, you know, back in February, you did this. Mm -hmm. It's like, why didn't you tell me back in February? I could have made a change, you know, and corrected that. So, yeah, I think the the instant feedback um, I've got one client working with that. When they put somebody new out on a project, they immediately bring them in after the project is done. What did you learn? How did that work for Mm -hmm. you? What could we have done differently to make it easier for you? What tools were you needing? try to get some feedback and let them know we're watching. Right. And and Mm -hmm. we're seeing, and we're trying to help you. We're here for you. And giving that instant feedback, the next time they go out on a project, they're that much better. Right. Right. Wait. I mean, quarterly is fine. I think it should be done on a, as needed, Mm -hmm. you know, instant basis, talk to them, have have conversations with them. And it shouldn't be just a sit down, you know, meeting Mm -hmm. in a room, have a conversation with them, just talk to them.
1: Yeah. One retailer that I work with in their feedback workshop, they talk about when should you pull someone to the side and give immediate feedback? And how do you do that in a way that doesn't interfere with customers or make that person feel, you know, like they're singled out or defensive? And it's a great workshop. It's very interactive, lots of role playing. And I think that the leaders leave um, with a pretty good understanding of, of what good feedback looks like, when to give it quickly, when to let it go for a little bit and handle it later, yep. you know, all of those things. Nice. Um, but if, until you understand the different views on feedback, you might not appreciate why millennials and Gen Z especially expect constant feedback. That's the world they grew up in.
0: Absolutely. So I've got my opinion. How about you? How do you, how do you coach them on giving instant feedback? Or immediate feedback.
1: Well, you know, I like to use the three-minute manager model. You know, it's okay. a little book, mini book that if people haven't read it. They should because it's you can read it in an hour or less. Um, but it's 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 one one minute to set expectations. And the next minute to evaluate whether they're meeting those expectations, and then the third minute to correct course if needed. Yeah. And that sounds really simple, but. You know, sometimes what happens is we as leaders or managers or business owners get so busy that we don't, we don't set those expectations. We expect them to know, you know, like the doctor that thinks that employees should know not to go home at five if there's patients in the rooms, you know, and the employees were like, what, you know, so set expectations and then, you know, talk about whether those expectations, that can be really quick, like, Hey, I sure appreciate you staying till 530 yesterday or, um maybe you didn't realize we had a patient in the room at at 5:15 just something like that and then go forward with the next time let's do it this way
0: exactly it's yeah. it's so simple so anyway yeah. we're going with body like my clients we talk about um setting the core values right every decision you make is based mm-hmm. on your core values same thing in business every decision made for your business is based on the core values of the business if you yeah. don't teach those core values to your employees, then who knows what they're using to make their mm-hmm. decisions, right? But yeah. if you say, these are our core values, and then somebody does something that, you, you know, we don't know, we don't understand what they were thinking. We don't know what they're thinking about, but they did something. You pull them to the side and say, so how did that meet our core values? And if they mm-hmm. can say, yes, our core value is customer satisfaction. I thought this was a way to satisfy the customer. That's why I did this. Fine. I okay. see what you did. Thank you for following our core values in the future. Love for you to do it this way. You know, I prefer yeah. you would do it this way. Yeah. Like I said, set the expectation or tell them, do you know what the expectations are? Did that meet the expectation? What can we do differently next time? Here's what I would prefer. And I think that's the best way to do it because it takes out all the okay. argument. It's mm-hmm. not, why did you do that? You know, why is a judgment call? And it yeah. puts people are defensive, ask them, how does this match our core values? And then talk oh. them through it. Make sure you're on the same page.
1: Absolutely. And so many organizations, if I ask them what their core values are, do people understand the vision of your business? Do they understand the why? You know, why are you doing whatever it is you're doing? But one company that does a great job with this is H-E-B Grocery Stores here in mm. Texas. Okay. Their people, their core values, their business model um, is, is um, visible, visible. All their people understand it. They know what the values are. So they know how to adjust their behavior according to the values. And that gives them the ability to react quickly to situations with customers and other coworkers, um, yeah. you know, because they know they know what it is that yes. they should be doing.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is definitely important. So when when it comes to working with leaders, what do you look for in a leader?
1: Well, For me to work with a leader, I have to know that they have a willingness to um, change their own behavior, their own perspectives. They want to learn. They want to um, redirect where needed. Uh, If if they think that it's all their people's fault, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to come in and just straighten them out. It, It never works well. You know, because we're all like that. We all need to learn. I, I'm not, I learn from everybody too, every day. Every time I interact with anybody, I learn things. So it has to be a willingness to learn, to be vulnerable, to correct course, to admit failure, all of those
0: things. Nice. Absolutely. Um, so do you have any employees working for you? I don't. No. No.
1: Maybe someday.
0: <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> what about in the past? Have you had people working um, for you in the past?
1: Yeah, I have. Uh, I was a sales manager for a while, so you know, I had direct reports. Uh, mostly in my career in sales and marketing, I was a, a field rep and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I was a sales manager for a while. Nice. I yeah, I, I don't always
0: function well in a like eight to five office. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but I always like to ask if if I was to bump into into any of the people that used to work for you or maybe Mm -hmm. even some of the teams that you've worked with recently and ask them what type of leader you are, what do you think they tell me? What kind of leader are you?
1: Um, I think they would say that I'm open-minded, that I'm open to other people's ideas, uh, that I, I think there's always more to learn. That I have a very, uh, I have a growth mindset uh, that I don't mind being vulnerable and admitting I'm wrong. I'm very transparent
0: yeah, that and for a lot of people, that's hard to do. You know, we talk about that intellectual courage. It's hard to say I don't know. It's hard to say mm-hmm. I'm. You know, especially for some bosses, they think they need to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, when you can accept that vulnerability and say I don't know, I, I've right. never done this before. Teach me. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the magic happens.
1: And that, I think that's where leadership at every level is important too. You know, so often we think of leadership as someone that has a title. Um, but I believe that all of us are leading in some way every day, regardless of what our technical position is. you know if you're in a, a I was in sales and marketing for so many years, so if you're the older salesperson in my last salary position, I was older than some of the guys I was working with. they just happened to be guys mm-hmm. um and You know, I knew things to do that they didn't know. That didn't mean they weren't smart. They just recently graduated college um, and they knew things that I didn't know. And so just that idea of influencing each other in positive ways, um, teaching each other what we know, you know, they they knew contacts I didn't know. I had probably done more lunches with doctors and people like that than they had. So I was more comfortable sometimes in that setting all of that. So we lead from wherever we are, even if we're not the Absolutely.
0: boss. Absolutely. Very cool. Good stuff. So tell me about your book.
1: Okay. So I have this little tiny book and I always have trouble getting it on the screen. Right. But here we go. We go. Um, for those what's of it called, you,
0: the title, for those uh, it's me?
1: strategies for generational inclusion at work. Whoops. Very cool. And it's on Amazon or on my Sean Johnson speaks website. Okay. Um, it's, it's just a real easy overview of ways that generations can work together. Nice. And so for people that don't want to read a 200 page book, there are some great 200 page books out there, but this one's easy and it's um, 68 proven solutions. So each page, so to speak, is either introducing a solution or it is the solution.
0: Nice. Very cool. And so that's available on Amazon, all booksellers. And also um, on just the
1: Amazon and then my website,
0: Amazon and your website. Okay.
1: It is available in Kindle format.
0: Nice. As well. I love that because I have a Kindle that's bursting at the seams <laughs> <laughs> and I can always squeeze another book in there. Very cool. Good stuff. So if people want to learn more about you and the programs you do and, and things you work, how can they do that? What's your website?
1: It's Sean Johnson speaks S H A W N J O H N S O N speaks. Uh, there's a very famous Sean Johnson, Olympic gymnast, and we spell our names exactly the same. So when you go to Google it, you'll probably get some of her things. Um, but my website is dot speaks.com. And my phone number, my email, I'm pretty transparent with everything. I don't mind getting a phone call.
0: Okay. Uh, so everything's out there. And you're big on LinkedIn too, right?
1: I am. Yep. Okay. I'm on LinkedIn, Sean S. Johnson on LinkedIn. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so please reach out to me if, if someone wants to have a conversation or ask a question. I always love to chat with people about these things.
0: Very cool. Well, this has been a great chat. Love to have you on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot. I said I'm, I am a boomer, an older boomer. Um, <laughs> and, I you know, you hear so much about the diversity, right, um, inclusion and and everything like that. You don't hear enough talk about the generational aspects of that. And I really mm-hmm. hope people listen. I hope people are taking notes because I think that is important.
1: Thank you. I do too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so yeah, this has been fun. listeners. hope you guys were taking notes. Definitely check out the website. I will have all the links uh, to your website, to your LinkedIn profile and uh, the link to the book in the show notes. So everybody will know how to get in touch with you. And yeah, this has been fun. Thank Thanks you. again for being on yeah. the
1: podcast. Well, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. All right, and listeners, uh, share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues and leave me a review. Leave a review on this episode and other episodes that you enjoy. Share them with people. Get the word out. The Courage to Lead, all right? And uh, yeah, hope you share this with people and enjoy this and definitely stick around because there's more coming. And that's it for me, Coach Harlan Singh. So long for now.